Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where life of Jesus meets yours. In this episode, we have our sermon from this past Sunday based on John chapter 2, Jesus cleanses the temple. Be sure to check out the show notes for the discussion guide. Here goes. Dear fellow redeemed, you could probably imagine how it happened. It was probably just for the sake of convenience, at least at the beginning. And it was probably just over off in the corner there where nobody really noticed. It was out of the way. But then things snowballed. Actually, and before I, before I get started, <laughs> shoot. For those who are relatively new with us, um, on page 9, if you are so inclined, there is a basic outline of, of what I use for pretty much all of my sermons. So it's kind of a roadmap for what to listen for as we kind of go along. That's page 9. And then I'll talk about page 10 when we get to the end of the sermon. Anyway, with that, you could probably imagine how it happened. One little table off in the corner for the sake of convenience. One little table with, you know, a balance so they could change their their money from wherever they came from into the one particular coin that you needed to use at the temple. Because the temple only allowed for one particular type of coin, and it had to be that one. And there were people coming from all over the place, and, well, just for the sake of convenience. Let's have a table up here in case somebody, you know, forgot their wallet in the car, or whatever the case may be. But then things kind of snowballed from there, for the sake of convenience. And they thought, well, we're, we're still doing all the right things. We've still got all the what in place. We have the ritual in place. But let's just make it even a little bit easier. Let's have you know, a couple cages of pigeons for sacrifices. And maybe even off, off to the side, a couple of goats, a couple of sheep. And then things snowballed from there. So by, that by the time Jesus walks up the 200 or so steps from street level up to the Temple Mount, the place is just bustling with cattle and sheep and goats. There's table after table of people changing money. If, you have, if you're coming from Egypt, go to this table. If you're coming from Italy, go to that table. If you're from Macedonia and Greece, go to this table. And the clink and the change, you've got the, the sheep and the goats, and watch your step there because there's a little bit of a mess on the floor. But why does he care? Because in that area, all the people who walked the 200 or so steps from street level up to that part of the temple, the people who couldn't go any further were you and me, Gentiles, people who are not Israelites. And the way God had it set up, there was even a short little wall about three feet tall, and the wall had a sign that said, if you go past this wall and you're not an Israelite, your blood will be on your own head and you will be pelted with stones until dead. Oh. But the Jewish leaders thought, well, we still have everything that we need. We're still doing what we need to be doing. The Gentiles can still come here and worship. They can still participate. And if they have to stand 20 or 30 feet closer, well, what of it? What's the big deal? We're still doing what we need to be doing. And for the sake of convenience, it makes sense. 
these Israelites aren't really bothered at all. They just walk on through and they can go and worship where they, where they are allowed to stand for worship. But when Jesus comes in and Jesus starts flipping tables and driving animals out, the disciples, you can almost picture them like, ooh, a little uncomfortable. Does he have to do that right now? We're just getting a little bit of momentum. Um, this is Passover. There's a lot of people here. What if there's a riot? Or what if people associate us with him and they don't like what he's doing? The Jewish leaders say to themselves, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? We're still doing everything that we need to be doing. And the disciples are thinking to themselves, not here, not now. That's, that's a little bit much for me. And maybe you can sympathize. Maybe you can sympathize. Um, over the past, past year, past 12 months, almost 13 months, you can watch on YouTube. They've got the statistics of how long a person watches. And fairly consistently, the average watch time is about three minutes longer than a sermon. And I've had people say that to me. Well, Pastor, um, you know, it's just different when I'm sitting on my couch at home. When I'm sitting on my couch at home, I'll just fast forward to the sermon and I'll catch that. Or maybe I'll catch it on the podcast because that's a little bit easier. You know, sick of convenience, and I'm still doing what I think I should be doing. But missing the why. Maybe, maybe it's something else entirely. And you think to yourself, I, I was raised in a Christian household and my kids will get it, but I don't want to be as strict as my parents. I don't want to be as, as forceful as my parents, and, and I'm glad that our pastor isn't like that fire and brimstone guy that we had when I was growing up. We should take it a little bit easier. I mean, we're still checking the box. We're still coming to worship fairly regularly. We're still doing what we need to be doing, and they'll catch it. My kids will catch it. And we kind of sympathize with those disciples who say, Jesus, not now. Um, why don't you just go talk to whoever's in charge and tell them, why don't you, you know, get the sheep out of here where they belong? Because they can sell sheep all around the temple at street level. But Jesus doesn't do that. And the disciples are like, man, this guy's a little zealous. He's kind of, a, kind of one of those religious nuts, don't you think? Why don't you tone it down, Jesus? Um, I, don't want to be, I don't want to be one of those kind of Christians. One of those Christians who's, who's always talking about church and always talking about Jesus, that's a little much. I mean, I can, I can practice my faith, but I'd rather keep it to myself and not have people look at me as one of those people who's always wearing the shirt and the bumper sticker or the jewelry and, and always talking about it. That's a little zealous for my taste, Jesus. As Jesus goes up to the temple and he starts flipping tables and driving out animals, we understand why the Jewish leaders might be upset with him because we see that you know, they were doing the what. And it's very easy for us to think to ourselves, I've got the what. I know what I should be doing. We even had it in that, that first reading, like once a year or once every three years when we read all Ten Commandments in church. Like, wow, 
this is what I should be doing, and here's the checklist, and I just work my way down, and, and that's all I need to know. That's all I need to do. We think of, we think of the what. We think of, you know, I'm coming to church fairly regularly, and that's what I should be doing. And then Jesus starts flipping tables. Because it's too easy to get caught up in the what and miss out on the why, right? It's so easy to get caught up on the what and to think, oh, God just has a list of things for me to be doing, and, and the why, well, not so much. Just tell me what I need to know, and I'll get on with my life. Tell me how I should be acting. Tell me what I should be doing, and, and that's all that I need. Because my life is busy. But Jesus starts flipping tables and making people uncomfortable because the Jewish worship life had turned into this life of convenience, of emptiness, of formalism, just going through the ritual, and they had totally forgotten the why. Why was that big open area right there surrounding the temple? Because that's where you and I would worship. You and I um, may be coming to Jerusalem for the very first time, and you crest the Mount of Olives, and there you go through a little valley, and then you come up again, and there is Jerusalem. And at the highest point in Jerusalem is this temple that is just shining bright white in the sunlight. And you go through the city, and you get your goat, or your sheep, or your pigeons, or whatever, and you go up for worship. And there, at the temple, God proclaimed in sacrifice and in prayer and in word that the Messiah was for all people. There, the intent was that you and I would stand in that outer court and we would hear the songs of praise. Oh, come, let us worship the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. And a priest or a Levite would come out and you or I, with our, with our family and our loved ones, we would stand there and put our hand on the head of this goat, symbolically transferring the sin from me to it. And then they would lead it away, and we would see the smoke of the sacrifice rise and the promise of forgiveness proclaimed again. The what is simple enough, but the why is difficult. The what can be accomplished by convenience. You can consolidate the what to probably, probably a 10 or 12-minute sermon if you listen to it at double speed on YouTube and call it good. But the why? Why do we do this? Why do we take the extra time to talk with our children over lunch? What did you hear at church today? Why do we see the commands of God not as this drudgery list of to-dos, but instead as, as a joyful way to say thank you. The what is easy, and the what is simple, and the what you could just make into a checklist and work your way down in, in American efficiency. <laughs> but why? Why is Jesus flipping tables and driving out animals with a whip? Why is Jesus making his own disciples uncomfortable and even making me a little uncomfortable when I think of my own lack of zeal. 
why is it that Jesus has to do this? Driving out animals. And I see my reflection in the eyes of the disciples and in the thinking of the Jewish leaders. And I think to myself, well, zeal for his father's house consumes him. But as for me, I'm a pastor, and I think most of my neighbors know it. Maybe some of them. But are the words of Jesus on my mind and on my heart and on my lips? I don't know. Because the what is simple enough. But if we lose track of the why, the what will never be enough. Right? Jesus is there, and he starts flipping tables and scattering coins everywhere, and animals are running around, and he is chasing them down the stairs and back out to the street where they belong. And the reason he does that is for you and for me, because his zeal, his love for the Lord is so all-consuming that nothing can stand in its way. You saw what God said about idolatry back there in Exodus 20. Do not bow down to anything else. Um, You shall have no other gods. Don't have anything distract you from worship of the true God. His why is to be that perfect Lamb of God. His why is to have his body broken, his temple, so to speak, broken there on the cross, so that he can have that same body raised from the dead. Because for him and for you and for me, it's not a matter of, of the what so much as the why. If all we had was the what, like the what of the Ten Commandments, we would be just as lost as somebody who never had those commands. But if we know why, that this Jesus has come for you and for me, that he has come in, in this all-consuming zeal, that he drives everything out of the temple for you and for me, that he promises to raise himself from the dead. Why? So that you can have the absolute assurance that your life is different, that when God looks at you, he calls you his church, his building, his body, his chosen people. Why? Because this message that Jesus carries out in his death and in his resurrection, this message that he proclaims and continues to proclaim today is the only life-changing, eternity-changing message ever. (laughs) That he said he would raise himself in three days. And that resurrection, that historical fact, communicated to your ears and mine, that historical fact is what frees you and me from from sin, from shame, from guilt. Because freedom from sin isn't a matter of do this and don't do that and avoid this and make sure you do that. Freedom from sin is having this truth planted deeply in your heart, in your mind, in your ears. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the why. And that's the the why we are here as God's chosen people. (laughs) Yes, That's why we are gathered here at the the temple of God, not in that outer court in Jerusalem, but in the presence of our Lord just the same. We are gathered here to be reminded of who you are, of what Jesus has done for you, of why. 
But think of it this way that the eternal message of forgiveness isn't simply a matter of what. Because you can read your book and see words on a page, and you could even memorize the what, you know, the specific teachings. But the why is what gives those words life. The gospel of the forgiveness of sins gives those words life. The why gives life to what we do as a, as a congregation, as a church. The why, your forgiveness, is what makes you a brick in God's building, a member of the body of Christ. That why is what Jesus wants to continue to proclaim in this place for generations to come. The why is exactly what even um, God had talked about back in Exodus chapter 20, about wanting, wanting his message of forgiveness proclaimed to generation upon generation, grandchildren and great-grandchildren to the third and fourth generation, because that why is what makes God's church different. If all I was was a motivational speaker, there are better ones. <laughs> I think I've said that before. There are a lot of people who could give you a checklist of how to improve your life, but I guarantee that none of them, none of them has the same why as God proclaims in his word. That proclamation that, that Jesus, yes, won forgiveness there at the cross and at the empty tomb, that Jesus applies forgiveness to hearts and gives life to spiritually dead people in holy baptism and in holy communion, that Jesus reshapes your heart and your life through his Holy Spirit in a way that I can't make happen. And the what is simple enough, but the why, the why, that message of forgiveness, is why we are here. And you can think of it this way, that um, in, in first service, uh, right up here in front was where our, our little boys sat. And we have a little boy who's, who's six. Um, he's the oldest of the, of the bunch. And, uh, but obviously, he's not here today. But I talked to Anthony uh, before church today uh, with the black mask over there. And Anthony is about um, eight, I want to say. Excellent. So Anthony is eight. And also in first service, I talked about Bob, who's here in the second service. <laughs> I talked to you before the service, too. And to think of it this way, that the message of forgiveness that we share is unique in that Jesus, in his zeal, has cleansed your heart just the same way as he cleansed the temple. And he wants that message of forgiveness shared at this place for a long time to come. And that message of forgiveness uh, shared even to the point when, when Anthony is as old as Bob, <laughs> that Anthony can come to this place, maybe with children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren, whatever the case may be, that Anthony would be able to worship here also and hear that message of forgiveness, that unchanging truth, that Jesus has risen from the dead, and that changes everything. And you might say, well, Pastor Hagen, but how does that happen? Because just talking about why isn't going to do it. How is it that a church can stay in a place and proclaim the truth for another 80 years or more? And it's not because the VBS is fantastic, which it is. It's not the, because the pastor is so personable. Hopefully he is. <laughs> but it's in the everyday lives of you and me.
It's in the everyday extra step of going beyond thinking about the what of the Christian faith and then talking about the why of the Christian faith. That extra, st extra step during the drive home, what is it that you heard today? What is it that you disagree with or that you need to know more about? What is it that we should ask Pastor about because his contact info is in the footer of the bulletin? Um, what is it that we need to know more about on the daily discussion, the daily task of talking about the why, of the back page of your bulletin, talking about the why? that God preserves a church in a place for even another 80 years or more through the daily work of the Christian, going back to why. And on the back of your bulletin, what that is, is a little bit of a discussion guide for yourself or for yourself to talk with a loved one or a friend, to look at God's word together, because that's how it works. It doesn't... It doesn't God doesn't preserve his church in a place simply through the, the persona of a person, but through the daily contact as God builds his people up to be strong bricks who then talk about this and put it into words for their loved ones, for those who are their children or even their great-grandchildren after them. How does God do this? Going back to the previous page, that would be um, page 8. Maybe it's, maybe it's listening to that, that daily Bible reading in our podcast. There's a lot here at the bottom of page 8. This is like bulletin orientation time, right? <laughs> but maybe it's the, uh, the daily Bible reading at the Raised with Jesus podcast. Something where each and every day you get a little bit to think about why we do what we do. Not just the what of our faith. Maybe it's, you know, Tuesday evening Bible class or Wednesday evening worship or the membership class that's now hosted through our website as well, where we talk about why. Because Jesus has come to the temple for a purpose, to have that perfect zeal where we would say, that's a little much for me. Jesus has come to the temple for a purpose, to cleanse out and clear out all the empty formalism of just going through the motions, and instead to create new hearts in people so that he can build those people into a church that lasts forever. Jesus has come to you and to me to cleanse your heart so that you know and you can see that there's more to this life than just what we see with the eyes, and especially there's more to this Jesus than just some list of what. No. This Jesus has come for a why, for your forgiveness. And so that, that forgiveness, working together, we can share that forgiveness, yes, to the next generation, and the one after that, and the one after that. Amen. Amen.